Hi, this is ContraPulse producer Ben Williams. I'm just jumping on to tell you about an exciting live ContraPulse event happening on Monday, October 18th at 7.30 p.m. Julie will be hosting a panel discussion with some of the ContraDance greats, Becky Tracy, Pete Sutherland, Rodney Miller, and Kate Barnes, talking about their mentors and inspirations, some of the early days of ContraDance bands, and how those have shaped what we hear today. You can find more information at camp.cdss.org, click on Online Programs, or find a link in the show notes, or on our website at contrapulse.cdss.org. Hope to see you there! Hello and welcome to Contrapulse. This is Julie Valamont. This episode, I sit down with fiddler Amy Larkin of Falmouth, Massachusetts. With several generations of musicians in her family, Amy knew she would have no choice but to follow suit. Thankfully, she took to the fiddle and has become a quintessential part of the New England contradance scene, playing in too many bands and musical groups to count. Uncle Gizmo, Heyday, Loco Mojo, Mr. Spanky, to name a few, along with lots and lots of informal collaborations. And of course, she's also part of a longtime Cajun Zydeco band with her husband, Jonathan Larkin. In our interview over Zoom, Amy describes her formative experiences growing up in Lincoln, Massachusetts, and dancing to callers such as Ted Sinella and Dudley Loffman. We revisit her days touring with Larry Unger and other musicians, talk about her current musical projects, and we delve into her thoughts on working with callers and playing for dances. She also shares some stories about the Boston area dances, which have played such a huge role in her life as a musician. And she even gets out her fiddle and plays a tune. A quick note, in the interview, Amy and I have a momentary brain lapse and mistakenly refer to C.W. Abbott as C.J. So sorry, C.W. All right, let's dive in.
Hello, Amy Larkin, and welcome to ContraPulse. I am so Hi. happy to have you here. <laughs> well, it's lovely to be with you. Where are you today? I'm in my home in Falmouth, Massachusetts. In Falmouth, Massachusetts. Yeah. How long have you lived there? Quite a while now, right? Well, my husband and I built this house. Uh, oh, so... Like 23 years we've lived wow. here. Wow. Wow. Because I remember meeting you and I was living in Boston because I lived in Boston for 20 years or so. And that's how I met you is in the contra dance scene out there, probably yeah. at the well, scout I house. I, I thought I met you at um in Amherst at Linda Henry's dance. Oh, yes. That is where we met for the first time. Absolutely. You were playing with... Linda, you had your band Loco Mojo back then, right? Oh, oh, that band. That was a fun yeah. band. You and Shirley yeah, and Linda. It was fun. Yeah. And I remember I'd been spending a little time with Linda because I was really, I was enamored with Linda's piano playing style. And so she's amazing. She's amazing. And she was being a helpful, like, you know, piano friend. And I think she had invited me to that. Was it the South Thermos dance? The one in the library. And yep. you were playing there. And that was really fun. Did you sit in with us? You sent, did one I, tune or something. I'm Now I'm just remembering that. I did. I was so new. I didn't know most of the tunes. And you were also patient with me. I remember you played Fiddler's Dream. And I was like, this tune is amazing. But it has these really amazing chord changes and I didn't know them in the beginning and so people were like five five <laughs> four <laughs> but that's what you do that's right oh that was yeah. such a fun night and I just remember being struck by your energy and just the energy of all of you together and how much fun and wild and crazy you were all being <laughs> mm -hmm. so great um so I would just well, love to start with oh go ahead go ahead well, that's something I really love about playing contra dances because nobody's look the 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 I'll put it say it in quotes audience the dancers they're not looking at you they don't care what you do as long as you keep the rhythm and it's you know fun and lively so you get to make stuff up I just love that yeah I mean because I'm still doing that playing in pub bands making stuff up but uh, sometimes it crashes and it matters less in the contra dance at least to me it's like oh well I tried that it didn't work okay you know the people are still dancing they're still having fun I'm not like the whole thing that people are paying attention to there's so much else to pay attention to yeah yeah you're part of the entertainment but not all of it right so as long as the yeah, music keeps yeah. going you can take risks and and do things yeah, yeah. So how did you get started playing the fiddle, and how did you get into playing for contra dances? Okay, so I, I was nine years old, and my mom asked me, so what instrument do you want to play? There was never a question, was I going to play an instrument? It was which one. And uh, her, both her parents were professional musicians. Her mother was um, Nora Foutchild. She sang with John Philip Sousa. And wow. my father played uh, piano and uh, organ, and he was a music teacher at Taft School in Watertown, Connecticut. But um, 
uh, okay, so what instrument? So I just said the violin. I don't know why, but that's the one I picked. And so I was nine. I started taking classical lessons. And then um, I played in the school orchestras. Oh, I never wanted to practice. My mom made me practice a half an hour a day. And she, it was never like, oops, with my tuner on. It was never, um, if you don't practice, I won't buy you lessons. That was not a, um, a threat she was willing to make because I would say, okay, I'm not taking lessons. You know, it was just like, this is what you have to do. And so to get through it, because I didn't really want to do the work, I just played these long, slow notes. I had to practice for half an hour, so I just played long, slow notes. So it was no work. But then it turns out that that's actually a thing that um, teachers try to get you to do, like to get good tone and even tone and stuff. So I, it served me well. I was like trying to be as lazy as I possibly could, <laughs> and it served me in the long run. Somehow. Yeah, the technique by accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how did you discover dancing? Oh, well, I think I might have been three or something the first time. No, I had to be older than that. Um, I grew up in Lincoln, Massachusetts, and Ted Sonella had these dances on Thanksgiving and... Was it the 4th of July? He'd hold these dances in the Smith School gym. And he it was recorded music, but, you know, they were, I wonder if he called them square dances, but they were um, New England dances. I remember doing a Virginia reel outside in the grass on, um, where was it, near the center of Lincoln. So just north of the library there in the... Um, I don't think that was Ted Snell, but I don't know. My mom was like, here, go down that way. I was little. I was a tot. I've always loved dancing and contra dancing. I did Scottish dancing as um, when I was 11. I started taking Scottish dancing lessons. They were a lot more uh, formal and strict-ish. You had to memorize the whole dance and be able to do it. The call, they didn't just keep calling Anyway, so after Scottish dancing, when I, I don't know, I think I was in high school or so when I found contra dancing, and it was so easy and fun. Nothing to it. Where did you first go dancing? Was it one of the many Boston dances at the time? Can't remember. There were, I was in, in this uh, alternative, it was called the alternate semester at the, from the Lincoln Sudbury High School, and we went to a bunch of dances in New Hampshire. Oh, cool. Um, Dudley Loffman would call them, but, you know, there was those ones in New Hampshire, and then there was Carlisle, Mass., which was nearby, and they probably they had some dances at the Bemis Hall in Lincoln. and Yeah, there's a lot of local dances out just west of Boston that yeah. a lot of people don't know about, and some of them aren't going still, and some of them were, but, like, you know, like you say, dances in Lincoln and Concord and Carlisle, you know, the Concord one is obviously the most well-known one, but there were dances in other places as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did you dance at the Scout House? Oh, yeah. That being a, a legendary, one of the legendary venues of concha dancing. It's just such an amazing place. 
so when I, in one of my, I don't know, early on in my contra dance fiddling career, one of the things that was really fun is showing up to a dance and I'd have my calendar and I'd be at the dance and sort of conducting business at the same time. Like, oh, <laughs> can you play here? Yeah, sure. And who's bringing sound and yeah, you know, and getting the band together. Or, oh, that's another thing I love about it is the pickup bands. We all have this um, repertoire that we can play together that uh, it's so easy. I don't know. It's just, just so such a joy to get together with other people, people you've never played with before, or, you know, you just meet them and, and you can play music together and it's so much fun mm-hmm. to be able to, yeah, well, I couldn't do it playing jazz or classical, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's important that we have all these tunes in common so that you can just sit down. That's the magic. You could sit down with people you've never met before and play music together. Yeah. It's really yeah. nothing like it. Yeah. Like so many times at a place like NAFA, you have a jam session with people and you become friends. And afterwards, you're like, what was your name? We just played music <laughs> for three hours together. And I don't know anything about you. Yeah, people, right. It's so great. Yeah. So, um... You uh, ended up uh, being in the band Uncle Gizmo, one of your bands. Um, yeah. How did how did that all come about? That was with Larry Unger and Sam Bartlett and Ginny Snow. Yes. I'm trying to remember. Okay, so Larry was in a band with Dave Langford and Sarah Seward, I think. Larry was playing bass, Sarah was playing guitar, and Dave was playing fiddle. And they had a tour, and Dave couldn't make it, and they asked me to come, I think. Or maybe it was was a little tour of, like, Ithaca, New York, and I don't really remember. Anyway, I filled in for Dave, and then they asked me to do some more stuff. And I don't, uh, Sarah maybe moved to Quebec? This was a long time ago, Julie. Yeah, I don't remember what I did yesterday, so I don't, <laughs> I don't expect you to remember all of this. <laughs> anyway, so Larry and I started playing together, and it was really, really, really fun. And we... That man is a brilliant guitar player. Yeah. And we had this similar thing of just... We didn't try to make it too pretty. Mm. We would just hammer the people. (laughs) (laughs) It's dance music, right? It's not a concert. You want to have a little grit, make a move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind of a scrappy player. So I am trying to smooth my tone out a little bit, but it takes a lot of work. Your playing has this really fun sense of adventure to it that I really like. Thank you. It's just this really great. It's like a little wild in a really fun yeah. way, you know? It's like very well, inspiring. Well, I want to try things. I, I don't want to just play this play it the same. The, you know, I just want to... They call it playing because you get to play with it, maybe. I, mean, I think a lot of people never make that connection. <laughs> So yeah. what are you, what are your memories of 
playing dances back then? What was it like? What were the scene like? Or what kind of tunes you would play? Any of those? Oh, okay, of well, so in New England, there were really good contra dance musicians, like lying all over the ground, practically, it seemed like. But so we, we went on the road, just Larry and me, and we were like everywhere we went, people were going nuts. I couldn't believe it. But part of it, say, we went down south. Are you from Asheville or so, are you? I grew up in New York State, but I've lived in oh. Boston area for 20 years for being in Vermont now. Oh, okay. Okay. I guess I thought you were from the south because Linda Henry took you under her wing, as it were. It was Linda from the south? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> I always thought of oh. her as living in Western Mass, which is where she was when I met her. That's so funny. Uh, okay, so... um. Yeah, I thought she knew you from down there, but wrong. Okay, so we'd go in the south, and so basically there was a lot of old-time music being played for contra dancing, mm -hmm. which is great, but a steady diet of just old-time. I don't know, what what Larry and I did is we'd, try, you know, we'd open with a New England set, and then and people would go nuts. Mm -hmm. And then we'd, you know, we'd play New England and Irish and Cape Breton and old-time, just mix it all up. That was mm -hmm. uh, variety. is It's good. So no, nobody knows what's coming next. Or just, you know, it's not dull. Yeah. <laughs> and then you could have a lot of different moods for a dance and textures and yeah. energy. And Besides, there's yeah. so many different great tune traditions. Why should you have right. to choose? <laughs> right. Well, and then also, so Larry and I both like to dance. So... We are aesthetic of what is called for from a certain dance. Um, I don't know. I had a knack for being able to pick tunes that fit well, mm -hmm. usually. Not always. Sometimes it, I'd screw it up, but usually. What are the things you look for when you're matching a tune to a dance and picking just the right tune? Um... Well, you know, where the balances are is the obvious thing. You want to have the tune give a thump where the balances are just to help the dancers out. And then, um, what else? You know, if it's a sort of a lyrical, flowy dance, you pick a lyrical, flowy tune. Simple. Yeah, it's simple. <laughs> Do you have a tune list that you can like that you look at while you're on stage to help you choose? Yes. Do you still have, how long have you had a tune list and is it the same one you've had for 20 years or do you change it from time to time? Well, I keep adding to it. It's on the computer and I can add it and print more stuff. And then of course I forget things. They get an X on my tune list. If and it's now I've sorted it. What? If it's something like that's not in your fingers anymore, or you don't play it, or you forgot how it goes entirely, or any of those things. Yeah, mostly if I forgot how it goes. And, um, anyway, it's about four pages, many columns. I have it. I have it um, divided by, let's see, Irish, Cape Breton, Quebecois, old time, New England, and modern. And then there's another page of jigs. And um, at the time, I had waltzes on there, but I don't anymore. And, and then I have them um, organized by key. 
Mm. Because when I'm making up a medley, I want to, you know, I think, oh, I think I need an A minor tune here. So I can look anyway. Worked, it worked, worked. I hardly know how to, whether to be in um, present or past because of this darn coronavirus. I know. It's weird when we haven't played for dancing for a long time now. Yeah, it is. It is present tense, but also past tense. Either is okay. You can go back and forth between them as you feel right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm supposed to play for that um, Ralph Page dance weekend. I was supposed to play last January. Wait. No, the previous January. I, I don't know. I can't even remember. But then they said, "Oh, we'll just do it next year." And I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. And I don't know. It'll be weird. I played a dance in Wellfleet uh, last Wednesday. Wow. It was out. It was outdoors. John Alden was the caller. And basically, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, these people are crazy. Oish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, people really miss dancing. I mean, it's August now, and this started in March 2020. So it's a, almost a year and a half now that we haven't had dancing and people are anxious to get back to it and dancers are starting up here and there around new england Mm -hmm. and beyond and some camps are happening this summer um some people have vaccination requirements some people don't some dances are outside you know there's different levels of mitigation there's been some dances in the south and you know it's a i didn't start the podcast with this in mind but it really is interesting to kind of collect some of these stories and think about contra dancing at a time when a lot of us aren't thinking about it as much because we can't do it you know it's Mm -hmm. been really Mm -hmm. neat to talk to people during this pause and Mm -hmm. it's funny like the memories come right back at first just like what are we talking about what is this thing but then you start talking about it you're like oh i remember this and i can just remember like the sounds in the hall and the sounds of the dancers Mm. feet on the floor and the smells, <laughs> the wet, oh. humid smells oh. <laughs> and everything. But there's just nothing like this. Like you go up to a dance hall and you hear the fiddles coming out the door as you walk up. And there's just nothing like that feeling. And it's your the kind of music that you play, like the kind of tunes you choose and the way you play gives me that feeling of like, this is just a good old, you know, New England kind of dance where people are just in here having a good time. Yeah. It's really great. It's nice to remember who we were. <laughs> yeah. And are and were yeah, and are okay. like all at the same yeah. time, right? It's like Yeah. Did it what was it like playing the fiddle? Did you remember all your tunes? Did you have to brush up before you started? Well, yes. I was playing with another fiddle player, so we went over our list before we started. Yeah. So what are your, some of your favorite tunes on your tune list to play for dancing? Oh, uh, I have to say my favorite tunes now are like slow airs. So I don't play them for dances, but let's see. Favorite tunes to play for dances. I'm, I'm really liking that Barbara McCohen tune, um, the Ravelin. Oh. That's one of my favorites. Have you heard it? No, I don't know that tune. Okay, well, I'll play it. It's slow. I'm going to play it slow because okay. it can be dance tempo. When... Okay. 
it faster, but I have to tighten the bow. Okay. Sure. The B part has some really cool moments in it. I, uh, yeah, I learned that from Rose Clancy. Oh. I've been getting to play with her quite. Um, she's an Irish fiddler up here. Yeah, that's really, lovely. really amazing. Yeah, I was gonna ask where where have you learned tunes from over the years? Like, I mean, I imagine from bandmates and in sessions and jams and wherever. But where do you like to get new tunes from? Um. Well, lately it's been Rose Clancy, you know, just who I'm playing with. Mm-hmm. Um, bef- the Labor Day, I went to this, I've been playing Cajun, teaching Cajun music at this Rhythm and Roots Festival with um, Pam Weeks. She mm-hmm. she hired me to help them, and she's showed me some tunes. Ooh, Hollow Poplar. Mm. Learned that from her, but I don't remember it right now. It's in G, and it has some nice uh, fours in it. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> love a good four chord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you also play Cajun and Zydeco music with your husband, Jonathan. Well, we used to. Yeah. Well, everything we st- is past tense right a- now. Right. We still have a house full of accordions. <laughs> Someday they'll get dusted off. Oh yeah, well he plays them, but but not out. No place to. What is your band called with Roberta Sutter? Um, hang on. Is it Mr. Spanky? Spank me? Oh, what is it? Well, yeah, yeah. We started. We were gonna. We wanted. We started out being Spank me. Spank but me. But then um, we we were banned in Cambridge, <laughs> so we got to change. <laughs> So for Cambridge, we became Mr. Spanky. And then right after that, somebody started calling uh, he who will not be named Mr. Spanky. So that was annoying. But anyway, yeah, Spank me. We thought of running with scissors. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, man. That's another band like... I remember hearing you at the Scout House a couple times. It's like you on fiddle and Roberta on piano. And then often you had one or two more people with you. All right. Um, also fun. Like how yeah. are these bands all different from each other for you? Or is it just like different people and you play tunes and you make up medleys on the fly? Um, well, you know, music, it's a communication and you, the person brings what they have. And mm-hmm. so every band is different. Where did we play with Catherine Miller and Jack? 
Oh, that must have been the... Yeah, I think it was the Chelmsford dance. That was fun. Jack O'Connor, Catherine Miller. Yeah, and it's like that kind of thing where you just have four people together. We had never rehearsed, and the four of us have very different musical styles and personalities. And, you know, I love that, you know, like the the Chelmsford dance was like that, also in Massachusetts for our listeners, another kind of area of greater Boston. But then the Monday... Contra dance, the dance at the Scout House that used to be the Yankee Ingenuity dance, when the Yankee Ingenuity dance ended, they transitioned it into, at first it was Jack O'Connor and Cal Howard kind of anchoring it with a couple folks organizing along with them. And eventually it, it just became, you know, different musicians who would come and play. And so Jack would book you for with the dance and you don't know who you're going to play with you can look at the schedule but it doesn't matter if you know them or not is the fun thing and it's like okay what do the four of us have in common where do we overlap and where do we not and you're kind of literally feeling each other out on stage and it's such a fun feeling Mm -hmm. I remember Jack would always be excited about tunes he's like let's play wing commander Donald McKenzie and everybody would like try to pull out sheet music or something because nobody knew it and then you know, there's other times that somebody else is leading a tune and people are listening and following along. And I remember that night in Chelmsford feeling kind of like that. But we got a good groove on once we once we yeah, settled yeah. in. Yeah. You know, it's like the dancers don't necessarily think about like the first couple nights, the first couple dances of the night, they're warming up their bodies and stuff. But sometimes the musicians are still warming up, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you've played um, with Heyday as well. Okay, let me think. Heyday. Oh, right, right. That's me and Jonathan and Shirley and George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a fun band, too. Thank you. 
And I've seen you play in Rehoboth with Benjamin Foss <gasps> as a duo. Oh, so Linda Leslie had this um, gig at, where was it? Taunton, the Taunton Community TV Station. They, they were going to interview her about contradancing. And so she said, we're going to have a contradance. They, or something, I don't know how she, she worked it out with them, but she got me to come and play it. And um, she said, oh, there's this guitar player in Rehoboth. You might enjoy playing with him. I said, sure. It's community TV. Let's do it. So he showed up. I think he was 13. Maybe he was 15. I don't know how old he was. He was young. Yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll remember how old he was. But, you know, he was still in school. He was young. And and um, we started playing for this dance. And I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. This is fun. <laughs> and I had a, I was, I had, um, I was booking the East Sandwich on the Cape um, Contradance at the time, and I didn't have somebody for that Saturday. I'm like, so uh, what are you doing Saturday? <laughs> and he's like, I have to ask my dad if I can get a ride. And so his dad was there, and he said, oh, yeah, I'll take you. His um, parents have been so supportive of him yeah. playing music. I mean, his dad used to drive him, and they must have been very relieved when he finally got his license. <laughs> anyway, yeah, ben Benjamin's an absolute joy to play with. Just so good. He plays a fiddle too. He plays a mean fiddle. He plays everything. I know. It's and amazing. He builds his own instruments. Yeah, he's a luthier, and he loves collecting tunes. He loves collecting old yep. New England tunes and things people don't play a lot anymore, and yep. learning new things. And that's really fun. I'm a huge fan, Benjamin. If you're listening, I'm a huge fan, which you already know. <laughs> So you've been playing so, together it as was a duo. So great. You've played together as a duo for a few Thanks. years now. Like well, ever, yeah. Like ever since, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he moved to Maine, so I don't get to play with him as much. Yeah. But it's very fun. And basically, oh, so we did a little, this was right before, the January before the big shutdown. We did a little tourlet in Maine. We went, we played Portland and then. Wait, is Portland on a Thursday? And then we must have played Friday in North Whitefield. Maybe just those two. Anyway, that's enough for a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, but he got excited about uh old New England tunes. He wanted me to play uh, um, President Garfield's Hornpipe. So I'm like, okay, and try to come up with tunes that sounded good. I mean, basically, I think he capoed for it because it's in. Is it's it in, in F or B or B flat? It's in B flat. Okay, okay. So it's in B flat. So we wanted we played some an F tune and a B flat tune and and um I'm the whole time I'm like you know, I like to I like everyone to get to shine and do what they do well and he sounds so great on it and it's like, well, I'll try to play it. And it didn't suck too badly. <laughs> anyway, it was just really fun. I think what I really like is to play on the edge of risk, like not sure whether I'm just going to completely fall apart or whether it's going to come across. And there's something about that that's exhilarating. Yeah. 
How do you grow if you don't try to do what you don't already know you can do? Right. And some people would do that at home <laughs> when they're practicing. But practicing never feels the same to me, though. That like I've you know I've had bands and we try to arrange things in rehearsals, but without the energy of the dancers, it just doesn't feel the same. I get inspired differently when there's actually dancers there than when I'm just at right, home. Right. Right. So. They really give something back. They are important, a really important part of it. Can you imagine trying to do a concert of contradance music? It would feel so weird. Which reminds me, your um, Nor'easter album was so good. Speaking of concerts of contradance music. Oh, thanks. It's as close as, it's really nice, the variety and timbre of everything. I really liked it. Yeah, I think I sort of heard of your fiddling even before I met you through Max, Max Newman, um, because, you know, he and I used to talk about contrabands and who's this and what's this? And he had been living in Boston longer than me. So he would also like look at the schedule and tell me now this fiddler is like this and this person's this. And you know, I think he would sometimes sit in with you and Roberta. And oh, yeah, I remember going to those couple of dances just to like listen and be a friend and dance and check it out. And so. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how long Max was here before I started getting to play with him. Um, CJ, whose last name I forget, who was in Rhode Island, who played with Rebecca McCallum and Jane no, no, uh Jane Connect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and somebody else. This Wait, CJ. He plays mandolin. Anyway, he's like, oh, there's this new mandolin player in town. I think you'll like him. I think we should do something with him at NEFA. So I said, okay. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, and I remember Max and CJ ended up being pretty good friends. Pals, yeah, well. you know. They were tune pals. So it worked out well. Yeah, that was in the early days of the Groovemongers. Um, right, Groovemongers. Yeah, and CJ lives like in the... He lives on an island now, somewhere nice and tropical, at least yeah. as of a couple of years ago. St. Croix? I think he's in St. Croix. Yeah, I don't know or which maybe. island it is. Is it the Virgin Islands? I, I literally yeah. don't know. Also, this is all old news because none of us have seen each other for two years. So what do I know? <laughs> right, right. But last I and we, heard. And we haven't seen CJ for more like 15 Yeah. or longer. Yeah, I remember meeting him at a Pinewoods camp. Um, where I think the Groovemongers, or at least part of the Groovemongers, were on staff. But like you, I don't remember. It's like all a blur now, you know, which is, it's just like this huge tapestry of memories with people, and you don't always remember. Like, where did I meet you? Does it matter if I remember? You remember better than I did, you know? Yeah. After a while, yeah. it's just this blur of good times. Yeah. Um, Who are some of your favorite callers to work with? You've probably worked with a bunch of them. Steve Zacon Anderson, Tony Parks, Dan Pearl, Sue Rosen, and of course Linda Leslie. Yeah. And, uh, Lisa uh, Greenleaf. Uh, there's some hot shots out there now that I like too, like Nils Fredland. Uh, who's that? A oh, Will Mentor. He's fun. Mm hmm. He asks for different things. He had Max and me. He wanted to experiment for something that was, he was going to do at the flurry, and he asked us to play 
really spare. He wanted to see how it would come out, and it was really fun. Um, it was more of a like a meditation than a... We didn't open the program with that, but, you know, it was somewhere near the end. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah, Will is one of those callers who likes to experiment, you know. It's fun. When you're on stage with one mentor, you never quite know what's going to happen. And I love that feeling. Yeah, and I always like to try to um, give the caller what they're looking for. Chris Ricciotti is a lot of fun, too. Mm, Yeah. There's some really good callers. I'm sorry if I left anyone out. Did I leave any? I'm sure I did. Did I say Dan Pearl? You did say Dan Pearl, yeah. Oh, my God. The man's sense of humor. <laughs> Just He's so funny. And not only that, they're, so a lot of times I'll launch into a tune, and I don't remember how it goes, and I'm just making something up. One time uh, uh, Kate Barnes said to me, "What did, um, it's really hard to play backup when there's no melody. And I'm like, well, it's hard to play melody if I don't know what the chords are. I don't know. It's just a joke. <laughs> But uh, Dan, actually, Tony can do this, too, Tony Parks. But, um, you know, I'll launch in a, into a tune, and I don't know how it goes. He'll hum the tune to me. It's useful to callers who know music. That's useful. Yeah, they can make suggestions. Would they ever suggest specific tunes, or do they still leave that up to you? Well, usually they'll say a, this tune or something like it, because they know better than to be too bossy uh, mm-hmm. depending we won't um i actually don't mind being asked for specific tunes but um a caller can shoot some themselves in the foot asking for a specific tune because it could be a tune that the band does not play well and then they'll wish they hadn't done it yeah <laughs> yeah or you find that the band plays in a completely different style than the last band who played it and so while it's the same tune it doesn't have the same feel yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, when you're working with a caller and they're talking about tunes or dances, how do you like to work with callers? Do they just kind of tell you what they want, like happy reels, or do you like to look at the card, or how do you? Oh, I like to see the card yeah. or be told what the dance is. Yeah, like the name you of know. the dance. No, I mean, well, the name oh, like of the what dance the moves if it's are. one that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are you looking or for even from the caller? Yeah, like when you look at the card, what are you looking for? The shape of the dance, what happens in it. What I mean, there's certain things that, like, for example, if it has a butterfly whirl, that suggests old time to me. Hmm. I don't know why, but it just does. Maybe a butterfly whirl is an old time move. Um, if it's got um, a, what's that? On the B2. Come on, I can't think of it. It's in chorus jig. In... Of contra corners? Yeah, thank you. Contra corners that ends in a balance and swing. You know, I'm going to look for something that has a, a bump on the B2 for that balance. Yeah. Just to encourage people to get there on time. Yeah. I remember, so Roberta and I were playing at, at a dance camp. It was the Lavender Camp, and... um. These women who had, they were kind of new to contra dancing, and they came up like near the end, and they were like, thank you so much, because 
we have a hard time telling where we're supposed to be and at what time, and your music just got us there. That was very, that was very um, gratifying. That's, that's high praise. That's what you're trying to do. It's like yeah, it was fiddler, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just want to make it obvious to the people where they're, what there's, you know, the f this phrase ends, so do something else now. <laughs> yeah exactly and you kind of build into the phrase it's not enough just to play for a balance right but you like will fiddle into the balance so that they feel oh, yeah. it like it's like inevitable right that's the plan <laughs> yeah I, I just remember like watching you and Linda and Shirley play together and it seemed like you were just all having so much fun but you're all kind of making it up as you go you yeah. know and yeah. playing off each other but still That's really being best. mindful that of the dancers. Is the, that is the best part. This like somebody makes something up and you hear it and you're like, oh, nice idea. You know, and especially um, you hear the idea, you kind of can, if the communication is really good, you, you kind of tuned into each other. You all hear the idea at the same time. Then it's the magic when you just all do the thing. I don't know what the thing is, but y'all do it. It's really great. <laughs> what are some of your favorite tricks or crazy things you've done in that band or in any bands? Well, remember Nat Hewitt? Yeah. Okay, so uh, he moved to Lincoln when I was 13 or something. So I've known him for a long time. Mm -hmm. We've been friends for a long time. And um, sometimes we'd both be playing fiddle and we'd both like do some crazy thing of sliding way up the neck and make weird noises. I mean, we, I don't know. It was just fun. We would just make stuff up and do anything. Hey, what about this? <laughs> you know, well, what about this? You know, just, I don't know. Yeah, demonstration time. I don't know. It was usually a little more musical than that, but. I mean, it's like as a rhythm player, I never get to do that too much because somebody has to hold down the fort while you crazy kids are making strange sounds. Right, right, right. Well, I'm not saying out of rhythm. They have to be with rhythm, in, within the rhythm. But that's another thing I love about these tunes is the form. Like you've got this, um, and actually it's true about contradancing too. There's this form and you... Um, these words that escape me within the framework you 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 can improvise within this framework and so the framework makes it safe yeah and you do the thing and then you come back to the straight form as it were i'm not making any sense oh, i think it makes perfect sense it's like the okay. It is literally a framework. It's like a scaffolding so that things don't right. totally fall apart. You know, if you're just free improvising, that wouldn't work for dancers necessarily because you wouldn't know how to get it back or, you know, but having that structure there gives you a safe place to improvise within, like you're saying. Yeah. You yeah. can always go back to the tune if you need to. There's the form. There's only A's and B's to keep track of unless you're playing a three or four part tune. Mm-hmm. And, and so, it's very new, very New England. When I think about like, you know, the the norms of the dance, like you have a partner, 
it's for the duration of the one dance, and then you can say sayonara and find somebody else. I mean, and you can flirt as much as you want while you're in the dance hall and then leave. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to commit too much to any one dance, you know? They're, they're right. each, each these little, like, 10-minute experiences. Right. And then you're on to the next. When you're making medleys, what are some of your favorite key combinations or tune combinations? Okay, well, at the risk of having become formulaic, I like major, minor, major. And I like to always go up. Like, I don't know, G, A minor, A major, or... So you would go up in, in like in letters of the scale just for our listeners to understand. So, you know, you could go from like D to G and then to A, something like that. Mm, I'd but, maybe go G to D. Well, it depends on the tune. So right. it does depend on the tune, but let me think. Let's see. Kelly's in G and then Star Monster in A minor. And then the Mason's Apron, A major. Yeah. Yeah. And then with Mason's Apron in A major. Yeah. That's like a classic kind of medley. Yeah, and I love it. it. And it works. And it feels so good as a dancer. You know, you can dig in a little bit during the minor part and then everybody's like, woo, when it goes major. It's yeah, just so good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's bands that don't do medleys like that anymore, and I love hearing them. Oh, well, sometimes, especially with Linda and Shirley in that band, we sometimes we'd play one tune, mm-hmm. then you can really develop it. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, mess around with harmonies and textures and having the piano drop out and having it just be fiddle for a little while. Mm-hmm. Classic New England contra tricks. Yeah. Or just do rhythm or, yeah. There's just melody, just rhythm. Then there's syncopation and there's leaving notes out. That's always a good trick. 
Were there any fiddlers that inspired you as a dance musician? Uh, Rodney Miller, Ruthie Dornfeld. Um, who else played dances? Those are the ones that jump out. Yeah, what was it about their playing that drew you to them? Okay, so Rodney Miller is playing is so rhythmic. He taps on his bow when he's playing to add to the rhythm. That's pretty cool. And Ruthie Dornfeld, uh, I don't know, she's just fierce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has really amazing energy when she plays. Yeah, she doesn't um, waste a lot of... Uh, it's, it, it all comes out in the sound. Yeah, she has she's really a, beautiful tone. Yep, yep. Yeah, and she's someone who used to be in New England and now is, I think, on the West Coast. Yeah, I took lessons from her when she lived in Cambridge. Oh, wow. For a couple years, maybe. I don't know how long. Do you remember what kind of things you worked on together? Well, she taught me some tunes, quite a few tunes. I mean, mostly I'd show up, she'd say, well, what do you want to learn? And I'd have a tune. Or if I didn't have one, she'd have one. Mm-hmm. And then I'd, I had <laughs> lessons once a week. Uh-oh. And then uh, I'd go home and learn the tune. And she was always amazed that I did not request record the lesson because I wanted to train my ears to remember. I wanted to learn it enough that I could, so I'd learn the tune, then I'd go home and practice it enough so I could remember it the next day to practice some more. <laughs> so yeah, she was a great teacher. That takes a lot of discipline. It's, it seems like crazy in a way, but like to go to a lesson and learn a tune and a lesson and then wow. not record it. But it really forces you to um, commit it to memory and get it in your fingers while you're there because you know you won't have anything to refer to later. Right. So if, many... I was gonna t- if I was going to take lessons now, I would record it. But my brain isn't what it once was either. Yeah. Yeah, just to like have it for reference. But I mean, re- using recordings can be a crutch. There's times when I've rec- like recorded a tune in a jam session or some other session and I'm like, I love this. And then I'm like, I'll go back to it later. But it keeps you from learning it in the moment sometimes if you know you can learn it later. So, And then do we ever go back to all those recordings? I don't know. I have years and years and years worth of recordings like many of us do from all over the place. And then even if I do go through them, then I'm like, oh, this was this date. Who was I playing with? Who are these people on this <laughs> recording? And then I go back and I cross-reference it with my calendar and try to figure out where I was on that day and who it might have been, you know. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Right. <laughs> so I started labeling my recordings better. Oh, and, good idea. Yeah. And asking people immediately of like, what was that tune? And where did you learn it from? And making a note of it. Mm-hmm. But man, I feel like every time you're at a session, you see people whipping out their phones or recorders back before we all had smartphones that recorded. Mm-hmm. And People must have some fascinating recordings that I would love to hear. Like, go back and hear everybody's phone recordings or recorder recordings from 20 years ago. Not phones, obviously, but like cassette or whatever people were using Mm -hmm. at the time. It'd be so cool just to be like a fly on the wall at a place you couldn't be at. You know what interests me? How tunes, like, 
are really popular for a while and they get overplayed and then they then you don't hear them for a while and then you start hearing hearing them again like um fair jenny's jig yeah that was just everyone was playing it until everyone was like well some people got sick of it i'm sorry kate but (laughs) i never got sick of it i think it's a great tune but anyway well i i don't know if it's making a comeback or not or if it's only in my own head but you know there's some really good old tunes so there were these like old tunes and then we got too cool to play them or something like the mason's apron it's a great tune devil's dream i don't know as i get older maybe it's well i don't know i don't like tunes that are too fancy well it depends yeah, I think there are tunes either new, modern at the time, like Fair Jenny's Jig was a new tune when Kate Barnes wrote it, and then it became yep. super popular. Or I remember when um, Flying Home to Shelley was like the new oh, tune yeah. of the moment. Yeah. And, um, and, but then there's other, these tunes like Reconciliation, or they're just like the standards. Frank's real, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of these tunes, and they kind of become like you said they can get kind of overplayed or tamlin or catharsis or like a lot of these minor tunes that were all the rage i remember larry unger wrote a tune called all the rage (laughs) which is Mm -hmm. also a funny concept um ruthie dornfeld told him that tunes in e were all the rage so he wrote that (laughs) i mean and then tunes in B were all the rage. And honestly, now I think the tunes in B flat are all the rage. I think now the oh. cool tunes are like, per- perhaps thanks to folks like Benjamin Foss and yourself and some of us other traditionalists, I feel like New England tunes in B flat are the cool tunes right now. Oh. And also hot Scottish tunes, like fancy modern hot Scottish tunes. Oh, Everybody yeah. loves those. Yeah, sometimes a tune just needs a little rest. I'm actually wondering, you know, if we have two years or whatever without dancing, maybe some of these tunes that we love, but we wore them out a little bit. Like, I think of other tunes like On the Danforth, you know, that Keith Murphy tune. It's beautiful, but everybody plays it. And maybe these tunes can get a little breather and we can come back and look at them fresh again. Yeah, I think I might have gotten tired of Homage de la Edmond Parizeau. Yep. But, well, it was Linda Leslie's favorite tune, so I don't think I get to be tired of it ever again. And also, I can't really play it right. Maybe that was why. <laughs> That's always a problem. The tunes that everyone loves that I can just never really get it to sound the way I wish I wish I sound the way I want it to. It's not an easy tune to play. It has a lot of notes. Um, but it's one of those ones that the conscientious love to sing along with in the V part, which makes it fun. Yeah, I miss Linda. Um, when I was learning to play for dances, Linda was one of the callers who I ended up working with a lot because, you know, often you end up starting at these smaller community dances and Linda liked to call them. And I remember, what was that dance? Another one outside of Boston. It was so small that there were often only four or six couples. And Medway, the Medway dance. Yeah. 
And they were so friendly, though. We would bring our own sound, which often for us meant we'd have like a microphone hooked up to a guitar amp. And like it was a total hot pod. I remember once we duct tape a microphone to the back of a chair because we didn't have enough mic mic stands, you know, things like that. But the people had fun and you didn't need a fancy sound system for that room. And it was Mm -hmm. really friendly. And yeah, the Medway dance. And I remember Linda would be there and her husband, Bob, and one of them would be calling and they would just adapt to the moment and bring out triplets or whatever, but they were always so warm and welcoming. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I felt like whenever I was playing for Linda, we were playing the best music in the world, <laughs> even yeah. if it wasn't. She was so supportive yeah. and so joyful to be there. It's really nice. She was a contradance ambassador. Yeah. Oh, man. What a woman. Yeah. You know, you know how she started calling? No. Okay, so I think that her first calling gig, it was in Rochester, New York, and she had broken her foot. And so there's this dance, and Carrie Elkin says to her, well, you're laid up, you call the dance, or something. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. We're all like, yeah, you can do this. Yeah, did you play with Carrie back in the day? Um, Not, he was sort of out of my league. (laughs) I mean... The man was br- brilliant, but um, I played with Ruth Richards quite a bit, his ex-wife. Hmm. I'm not familiar with her. Oh, pianist. She's good. Yeah, well, I guess Carrie was especially interested in Irish tunes. Yeah, yeah. And a certain style of playing them. Yeah. Yeah.
Oh, man. How have you seen dances change? Like, you've been doing this for decades now. How does okay, it feel so now? when I was a child, you know, Ted Sinell would come to Lincoln and do these dances, and it was canned music. And then they started having bands, and the caller got paid, and the bands did not. And then the bands started getting paid. That was a good thing. But, like, the caller would get half, and the band would split the other half. I mean, and now it's a little, little more even. Yeah, most people now. now insist equal shares, where if there's a caller and a three-piece band, you split the money four ways. Yeah, yeah. But not everywhere. Some places the caller gets half, the band gets half still. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's way too old-fashioned for me. <laughs> well, we musicians certainly all feel that way. <laughs> yeah. But I love that... Um, that live music, how it's um, changed. And also, it's gotten more interesting. Like, um, I'm just thinking, what was Bob McClellan's band? Old New England? Mm-hmm. Um, with April Limber, and I'm afraid I don't remember his name. Cause Peter. Peter, Pete, yeah. Pete, Pete, Pete. April and um, Pete. Basically, it was... And it's such a perfect name for a band, too. But they would just crank out these meat and potatoes tunes. There's nothing fancy about it. They just played the tunes. And it was good enough. Damn it. <laughs> but, um, uh, but then, um, I don't know. I think it got more interesting. The music. Just more variety of tunes and played with a different kind of groove to them or feeling or what are the main changes? Yeah. See, I'm wondering if April would think it was an improvement, but you you know, I don't think so. Yeah. She's a fine fiddler, but just, you know, to, to improvise some things, you know, play chords instead of two, I don't know, just I guess I'm talking about improvising. Uh-huh. Using the tune as a jumping off place. Right. So instead rather of the tune. Just, rather than just playing it straight. That's a good way to describe it. Like it either is about the tune or there is the tune, but the tune being a jumping off place to whatever other adventures yeah. Yeah. will happen. I cook that way too. Yeah. You pick oh, I your don't have this. I don't have this ingredient, I'll use something else, or I'll leave it out, or or I don't like this one, I'll put something else, or, you know. We get to make it up. Yeah, and then sometimes it tastes good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's usually nourishing. <laughs> yeah, if you start out with good ingredients, it's hard to go wrong. Did you ever play with Bob, when with him on oh, piano? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to play Peterborough with him a bunch. It was fun. Was it the two oh, of you, or were there other folks? Um, it was best when it was just the two of us. Sometimes there were other people. But it was just easier, because we could concentrate on each other. Mm-hmm. And um, he got a little more opened up, according to Steve Zacon Anderson, when, he was, when we were playing together. Hmm. Just... I guess my being willing to try things gives permission for other people to just try things mm-hmm. and I'm glad if that's true because why the heck not 
I wish there were recordings of that. Are there any? Be fun to listen back to that. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who are some other piano players that you played with over the years? Do you ever play with Gordon Peary? Yes. Oh, what a blast. Oh, he was fun. Yeah. Really full sound and really rhythmic, and he would always surprise me. And what about, um? oh, can I remember her name? Becky Ashenden? Oh, yeah. Really yeah. Also big sound. Yeah. You know, like Becky, more of that Cape Breton sound, yeah. but all over the piano, you know, just yeah. using every note. Yeah. And and Gordon, I just think of as like a one-man piano party, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So Becky was really lively. Um, piano players, Roberta. Oh, Debbie Knight. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was really, she's fun to play with, too. Oh. Yeah, Debbie's a great musician. She has so many ideas and from leading Roaring Jelly for so many years, she knows all the tricks. And, you know, she plays fiddle as well as piano, so she understands the tunes really well. So I love listening to accompanists who also play melody because I'm like, Ah. they know what they're accompanying. Like, they mean these chords. Whether I like them or not is different, but they mean it because they know what the tune is most of the time. And Debbie was one of the people who, when I was first starting to play piano in Boston, I would just go and listen to her at the Scout House playing that uh, piano, that legendary piano that's had how many dances played on it now? Oh, right. Oh, so um, I got to play. This is one of the really fun things about Jack booking the music at the Concord Scout House, the recent iteration of the Monday Night Dance. Mm-hmm. Um is that he would put me together with people I hadn't met or hadn't played with before. And, oh, my God, it was so much fun. Who was that guy? Scotty Leach? Oh, Scotty. Oh, brilliant. And uh, I got to play a dance with Alex, um, whose name, last name I don't Alex Cumming? Accordion yeah, yeah. player? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got to play with, with him out in Amherst. That was really fun. Some of these young hotshots are really a blast. Yeah. Because I get... Uh-oh. I'm sorry. I'm like, ah, there. Is your ringtone a fiddle tune? Yeah. Nice. We yeah. all got to hear Amy Larkin's ringtone, everybody. <laughs> Da-da-ba-da-da-ba-da-da. Nice jig. <laughs> is that called Lad of Burn? I don't what is remember. The name They're all blurring together in my mind now. Okay. Like you talk about two years of not tunes. I'm like, what is that one? I know that one. Right. Yeah, Scotty, you know, I first met him when he was on the West Coast, and he is just a force, both on the fiddle and on the piano. Oh, does he play the fiddle, too? He does. Most people don't know it, but he's a great fiddler, and then also has this really fun, really Cape Breton-y kind of syncopated piano style. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Alex Cumming, you know, moved here from England and is now based in Boston area. And that's a great boon to us. Yeah. And then there's um, um, Idrini or um, Eric. Oh, Eric Idrini. Oh, yeah. he's really good to play with. Yeah. He, he's And uh, Kate Barnes, of course, the yeah. master. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, I've never got to play with Kate because I play piano and Kate plays piano. Most, of, I mean, yeah. Kate plays lots of things, but for confidence, it's often piano. But like... Yeah. What's it like to play with someone who just has so many ideas coming out of them all the time? <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, you know, it's like in retrospect, like there's a, a time when the Boston, the greater Boston area had a lot of piano players, which I feel like isn't the norm. I think. Really? Well, I don't know. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about this. I feel like guitar is kind of taking over as the main contradance instrument in a lot of places around the country. Oh. Maybe that's not true. Maybe it's just me being biased as a piano player. And, um, okay, and Jacqueline Schwab. Yeah, I've do you play dances? I've played dances with her, and that's really fun. Oh, man. She gets more out of a piano than anyone I know. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people know her as an English country dance player, of course, but they don't realize that she also plays country dances. Right. And Beth Murray I played with mm. her. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. She's really good. I think Beth also plays for Scottish dancing yeah. as well. I think that, well, I wouldn't know, be able to answer, but the better question is who haven't you played with? <laughs> yeah, or who won't you play with? Uh, dun, no, dun, no, dun. don't ask that one. <laughs> That's off the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you noticed changes in like the dance scene or the kind of tunes that are popular or like what callers are asking for? Like, do you feel like callers ask for the same things that they used to when you were starting out? I guess a lot of that depends um, on the I don't know about dances. that, but I started, um, but there was this, I'll tell you, um, there's sort of a difference between a rural and urban type dance. Do you find that, like, partly the kind of mood the dancers expect and the energy is different and also mm-hmm. the kind of dancers that the the kind of dances that the callers are choosing yeah. is probably also different maybe simpler dances at a community dance where it's once a month and you don't have people who are like semi-professional contra dancers <laughs> the vibe is very different yeah yeah but have and you, you seen can't any- as a as a musician i have to play differently too like be a little more straight ahead meat and potatoes i can't do um fancy tricks as it were cheap Mm -hmm. tricks Mm -hmm. none of those yeah keep it so that the dancers can follow the phrasing and follow along yeah and i try to pick tunes that they recognize because it like it gives them something to hang on to if it all sounds like to them Forget it, but you play Turkey in the Straw or the Irish Washerwoman, they're like, oh, yeah, I know this. <laughs> yeah, these like really intuitive melodies that you can almost sing along to, you know? Yeah. yeah what are some of your other tunes that you like to use for beginners like that? Um, the Stool of Repentance. Oh, yeah. It, they don't recognize it, but it's very well phrased. Yeah, I go for very well phrased. Some um, Arkansas Traveler, uh-huh. if you recognize that. Mm. Devil's Dream, Sailor's Hornpipe. Um, those are the ones that float off the top of my head. But really well phrased is kind of the answer. Just they need a structure to hang their faltering steps on. Yeah, maybe that means like there are a lot of really lovely Irish tunes, but some of the Irish tunes of phrasing can be hard to hear. There's a lot of notes that go by. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, they're they're answer. more lyrical. Like even um, what's that tune? Um, da 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 da. Randy McClellan. The phrases are long, so it's great for uh, contra dance where people sort of know what they're doing, and mm-hmm. you know, and you can, yeah. Where people at an experienced dance where people kind of hear the 16 bar, you know, eight bar phrases, regardless of whether you're playing through them or not through the eight bars, they, they wouldn't, they enjoy that because it feels like, Oh yeah, I don't, but for, for new people, nah, I wouldn't use that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you. So as a backup musician, Yes. Um, do you ever resent just being told, hey, gee, <laughs> or like, we're going to play this tune? I mean, the f- do you ever resent the fiddle players just picking the tune? No, it's kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the setting. Like if I'm in a pickup band or like if we're all just together in a lump and we've never practiced, I'm happy. Yeah. I feel like my role is clear. I am at your leisure slash mercy to do whatever you want. And Uh I've had people yell keys at me and then the caller's waiting and nobody even tells me what the tune is. So I just have to play (laughs) four potatoes and hope that I recognize the tune within the first few beats. But it's kind of fun. It's kind of exciting. You know, after a while, you screw enough things up that you stop being afraid of screwing things up. I'm like, oh, if I don't know the tune, I'll just drone until something recognizable happens you know like you figure it out so i kind of love it i i love i love that moment or like you're playing and no one's planned out the medley in advance and then all of a sudden somebody's like a and you're like okay great i'm just (laughs) gonna go to a i don't know if it's a major or a minor hopefully a major you know yeah uh i love that yeah i like the role of being a rhythm musician because it really is serving the tune yeah. In the way that the musicians all together are serving the dancers. So I'm like, I'm yeah. like serving the musicians and we're all serving the dancers and also serving the caller. And yeah. it's, it's fun. Yeah. Like that is its own framework, right? Like if you talk about like the limitations, actually, like my yoga teacher used to say limitations are freedom. You know, if you think right. about the form of the tune, the limitations actually making it really free to improvise. Yeah. I also like the limitations of being a backup accompanist. Right. Because it's like, how can I improvise within that, but still mostly do my job? I'm not going to pretend that I'm good at it most or all or any of the time. <laughs> but, you know, like, how can you make it interesting for yourself and other people and play around within it while still providing that kind of bread and butter rhythm. Like if the rhythm is not there and the phrasing is not there, I'm not doing my job. Right. Right. So I love playing with folks like you because, you know, you just yell a key at me and I don't know what's going to happen next. And you just hope we all get there together. (laughs) Or that moment when you have a pickup band and you're trying to go from a jig to a reel, but you haven't practiced the transition. And so, Mm You're like, I'm just going to try to make this really obvious what I'm going to do. It's like putting on your turn signals when you're driving. Other people know what lane you're going in. I just try to make everything I do really obvious so that hopefully we can all do it together. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, so that's, here's the thing about changing tunes. I dislike making a subtle change. Mm. I want the change to go wham. Mm -hmm. I don't care. It's just the thing. You don't want to just like make, well, uh, okay, well, that could go wham. But you, you could make a change like where everyone pay, plays the first chord and then it's a solo instrument. But mostly I want to make a change where, where like you're going along, maybe back off a little bit at the end of the previous tune and then everyone all together comes into the next tune because that's, I don't know, it's so exciting. How do you call Drama. that? Do you ever yell break or things like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Drama. That's what I like. Drama. Well, it's like if you're not going to make a big deal about the transition, why bother changing tunes? Why not just stay on one tune otherwise? Good point. You know, one yeah. tune's good enough for as many times as you want to play it. So the whole point of changing tunes is to add that interest and yep. variety, right? Yep. So I could see that, you know. And to um, pick, pick people up. I just want to raise them up. That's why you play the, what's that other beat? The off beat. Give them yeah. A little off beat. For the lift, for the players, mm -hmm. for the dancers. Yeah. It's like, I love when they think they're dancing and then the music kind of gooses them and they find more energy. They didn't even know they had as a dancer. Right. That's a really fun feeling. It just feels yeah. like you're flying after a while. Yeah. It's really great. So it's okay to speed up especially if you do it on purpose, but it's never okay to slow down mm -hmm. unless the caller says slow down because people aren't making it where they need to go. But I mean, <laughs> it, as a dancer, I hate, I don't like it when the band slows down. It takes the energy right out of the, out of the dance yeah. most yeah. of the time. Do you have a favorite tempo you like to play at? Do you think about tempo? Well, you know what? My sort of natural tempo is about 105 uh -huh. and dance tempo is 120. So I'm pretty much always playing faster than I would. Like if I'm just playing at home, how fast I would play the tune, like between one, 105 and 115. But modern dancers like 120. So that's what we try for. You know, I was just talking with Sam Bartlett and he was saying his favorite tempo is 104. So you guys should jam together. You have the same tempo. <laughs> I love Sam Bartlett. Yeah. Sam, if you're listening. How the hell are you doing? <laughs> I miss you. Oh, I know. We should all record virtual hellos to each other and put them up somewhere. I mean, there are a lot of, like, you don't realize until we can't all go to these things. There's people we don't see unless we're at the dance, you know, like yeah. faces that we've known for years. Oh, my God. He plays that banjo like a weapon. <laughs> 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 yeah a tenor banjo in the hands of sam bartlett is a, a formidable thing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you must have been were you in boston at the same time together like in, yep. in the massachusetts area yeah 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 he blew in from somewhere made a huge splash and blew out again yeah yeah, do you have any stories from the Uncle Gizmo days with all you guys together? Well, he used to like to drive himself places instead of like being with the, in the 
tour with the band, like the same car, because uh-huh. he had always have other people he wanted to see. I don't know. And then also he was he he was inf- infamous for getting lost, not <laughs> lost, but like not finding. Uh, you know what, though? He was so fun to play with. What a great guy. Just so he's a great guy and fun to play with. Yeah. I miss him. Yeah. Good old Sam Bartlett. I know. Well, he looks good. I saw him on Zoom. Oh. <laughs> looks like he's doing well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a very energetic young man. Though perhaps not so young anymore. Yeah, I know. It's weird. We're all getting older. It's very strange. Thank you. 
do you have any other thoughts about like the future of country dance music or what you've seen change or where you think it might be headed? Anything like um, that? I mean, it could be that you just want to keep cranking out the tunes. Okay, so um, where it's headed is the young hotshots are going to take over. Mm-hmm. I've been, um, you know, the, this latest, well, I don't know. First there was your crew there with Max Newman and you, and then there's Julie Metcalf and Audrey Knuth, just these people coming out of Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have in my head, all oh, these young hotshots from Berkeley. I mean, it's really fun to play with them. And on the other hand, they're, they've already left me in the dust as it were, but they're very kind to keep, um, being willing to uh, to play tunes with me. I don't Benjamin think any Foss. of them. I don't think any of us see it that way. You know. Okay. Well. Well. Could be which a thing, is, but I just. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to keep up. I know I'm just not. I mean, I. I'm just. But. But it's still a lot of fun, and I love the energy that the younger people are bringing to this. I just love it. It's so great. Younger than me. I don't know how how young we're talking, but like I'm playing a dance with Julie Metcalf and just like her saying, I'm just so happy and excited to be here. And I just think, Oh, I remember that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and kind of like, while I'm thinking, do I need to, drink coffee to get myself home (laughs) (laughs) the enthusiasm of youth (laughs) yeah yeah I mean and it's inspiring too because I mean well particularly from the after this hiatus it is really great to be out playing again now I'm not playing for dance I did play for that one dance but that was a outdoors on a pier it wasn't Mm -hmm. like a contradance in a hall and so I'm not I'm playing in pubs for dancers that's pretty fun but it's not contradancing mm-hmm. I mean I don't know when I was a new musician a new country musician in the Boston area and I would get to sit in with folks like you I was awestruck because it's it's more than just, you know, there are a lot of players now, especially who are going to music school and then interested in playing fiddle tunes or playing for concertances, and you can have amazing technique and beautiful tone. And that's great. Um, and then there's also this depth of knowledge of just having spent a long time playing for dancers and knowing all the tunes and like the, the new people don't know what all the good tunes are and we could easily like forget about really great tunes if we didn't know what they were. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would love to look at your tune list and see the kind of tunes that you've been playing forever. Maybe we could get it after the interview's over. You could send it to me okay. or something. There was a time when um, Linda Leslie, what was it she wanted me to write? Well, like there's, oh yeah. Like for Nefa orchestra and stuff like they're trying to think of, Oh, what are these tunes that sort of everyone knows? Yeah. Like, but there's some of those that like we all used to know that people don't know anymore. I mean, yeah. Eddie's real. Who plays Eddie's real? I don't know Eddie's real. I'm I being honest. I, I wish I did. 
Let me see if I can remember how it goes. I don't know if I can play it. It's been a long time. the B part. Yeah. That might have been about 105. Anyway, I'm not that's, sure. I... That's Eddie's real? Might be the Cricket Stovepipe. Yeah. I might know not if... really be Eddie's real. Yeah, I know I've heard that tune lots. Uh, the B part that's is very like, that's not it. Let's see. Iconic. Ah, nah. I thought that was Eddie's real, but maybe it isn't. We'll have to dig it up sometime. Yeah. But but tunes like that. It's like I don't want them to just get lost or forgotten. But it's so funny how a tune that we think is going to be around forever and is ubiquitous and it's overplayed and it's ever it's everywhere. And then ten years later, fifteen years later, could be that nobody's playing it and it just gets lost. There was one year at NEFA, everyone was playing. Uh, it's a French Canadian tune in D. Is that pay do? Yeah, pay to hope. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard that tune in a while. Oh, I miss all these tunes. So yeah, it's like we gotta keep them, keep them around. Hmm. And so, I hope that it, like, it's important that different generations of musicians play with each other. You know. Oh yeah. Like the new folks can take it in whatever direction they want to, and they will, and they should. It's a living <laughs> tradition. You were on that committee with the um, that Cambridge dance that was the multi generational something something. Bida. Yeah, Bida. The Boston Intergenerational Dance Advocates. I was there when we were arguing about the name. <laughs> Just said, like what it should be. We're like that's a mouthful. We'll call it Bida. Uh, yeah. That Apparently, was a really neat thing to do. Yeah. Thank well, you. the Bida dance is still going strong, and yeah, I think we had you there as like a kind of a. We were doing like a mentoring thing and we were trying to have newer musicians get to play with folks like you and right. pairing people together. And it was really fun to have you there as a part of it. Thank you. That was, yeah. uh, okay. I think when I was there, I didn't quite understand the concept that, oh, well, never mind. It's possible that we didn't either because we were being very <laughs> experimental and kind of figuring it out as we went along. Oh, <laughs> so well, good. I'm always up for something like that. Exactly. We are trying things out. But partly we started the Bida Dance because I had just been feeling like there wasn't a place in Boston area at the time for those musicians to mingle with each other and get to play with each other on a regular basis because right. the Thursday dance, whether it was at the VFW or Spring Step or the Scout House, was playing like it they hired established musicians 
Yeah. But there were no sit-ins. So there right. wasn't anywhere for the new folks to get to play with the more established folks who knew all the things. Right. We were, we had everything all sewed up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It made the quality of the music and dancing really good. Like I'm not questioning their decision, but I was yeah. like, and you could go to the MIT dance and sit in there. And that's where a lot of us learned and met each other. Like that's how Max and Cedar and I met each other. Oh. But not all of the established old, old not old timers, you know what I mean? The regular I, folks, but they wouldn't go to the MIT dance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they wouldn't go there. So you don't get to meet everybody there. Right. So it's right. like, we need some intentional way to bring people together. And I would go out to like David Kaner's dances in Greenfield and just be so impressed by the vibe on the stage where people were sitting on the stage and hanging out and sit-ins mm -hmm. were welcome. And I wanted something like that. Brilliant. That was a yeah. really good idea. Yeah. And the Thursday dance now, at least, I mean, it's been a couple of years now, obviously, but they started having open bands and. Oh, that's um, right. You know. First Thursdays, there was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Starting to like find, like realizing that that's a niche and starting to find ways to bring people together. But it was okay. The Thursday dance is sort of a Nefa orchestra thing where any, you know, anyone can come. Yeah. But yeah. what Bida was doing was putting together bands. Yeah, like a smaller ensemble. Or it would be like, hey, Fiddler, you just moved to Boston and you played Conscientious in your hometown, but you want to meet people here. Who are your mentors who you've always wanted to play with? And then if we can make that happen, we would. So, you know, mm -hmm. so we had somebody say, I've always wanted to play with Randy Miller and I've never mm -hmm. known how to ask him. And so we could say, let's set that up. Or, you know, somebody wanted to play with Larry Unger. And so we set that up. And so that's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. But you played in Charlie Pilzer's conglomeration, not enough. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think oh, I thought it was fun. called Too Many Fiddles. Uh, you're right. Wait, no. Not enough? Too many? Maybe there's know. too many. Maybe I it's thought, not enough. I thought it was not enough kind of as a joke. but I uh, think never enough fiddles. Some, I, not enough. Maybe it's not enough. I don't yeah. remember. We'll yeah. add it to the podcast notes. People can look it up and <laughs> see. But that was kind of like as many fiddlers as were around, you know, and it was like often these great folks like Carol Bittenson would be there and Debbie and sometimes you and like, you know, Cedar of Cedar was around and like, you know, all these great folks. Well, Julie actually, it, it was not an open thing. Right. You, had, it was you like, had to be invited. Yeah. And so that put all these fiddlers together. So that um, is not exactly. Charlie has something going on in D.C. where he mentors young people. I think Rebecca Weiss came out of there. And how oh, interesting. Um, you'd have to ask her, but yeah, I don't know who else. Yeah, yeah so he brought up some young people from D.C. I'll have to talk to him about that or talk to Rebecca sometime. You know, and then she ended up spending a lot of time in New England, you know, and obviously most recently um, being with David Kaner and helping to care for him and write tunes yeah. with him and be oh. a musical ambassador for him. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stories there, I'm sure. Hi, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, I think she's finally out doing a little bit of touring right now this oh, summer. Great getting to visit people who she hasn't taking advantage of the little momentary break with everything in the pandemic. Oh, right. Um, 
Well, it's been so fun to talk with you. Are there any other topics that you want to cover? If you Mm. were teaching new contra fiddlers today, what would you emphasize? Memorize your tunes. I mean, there are people who only play for music. Can you believe it? Just memorize the damn tune. Don't be looking (laughs) at sheet music. Right, right. Um, Yeah, because once you memorize it, that's when you can jump off from it. It's Mm -hmm. easier. Um, What else? It's about the rhythm. Rhythm is king. Uh, Yep, keep the beat. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of a gazillion things after we hang up. Well, if you have any more words of advice, you can just email it to me and I'll add it to our podcast notes. Okay. Okay. And everyone can also get a personalized hello from Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Julie. It's just been so fun to reconnect with you and just think about music and dancing again. And uh, it makes me smile. And I can't wait to hear you playing again sometime, whatever happens with you and Benjamin or, you know, with anybody else around. Okay. Maybe you and I will get to play sometime soon. Well, not soon, but sometime. Someday. Thanks for listening to ContraPulse. This project is supported by CDSS, the Country Dance and Song Society, and is produced by Ben Williams. Thanks to Great Meta Music for the use of tunes from the album Old New England by Bob McQuillan, Jane Orzakowski, and Deanna Stiles. Visit contrapulse.cdss.org for more info. Happy dancing!